A young perspective on hot button issues around the world. This is The Hub. Hello and welcome to The Hub. I'm Wang Guan in Shanghai. Extreme heat waves, heavy rainfalls, and super typhoons are wreaking havoc in China and beyond. From academic discussions to real life experiences, people worldwide are feeling the pinch. They're feeling the devastating impact of global warming and climate change. But amidst all these challenges, is there still hope for humanity to discover a climate solution? Will the year 2023 become a tipping point for more extreme heat waves and weather events, or pave the way towards a more sustainable future? Today, we are very happy to be joined by Padre Talas, the Secretary General of the World Meteorological Organization. Director General Talas, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. We have a situation as we speak:、uh, record rainfall in Beijing, the very city that we live.、Uh, 74.5 centimeters of rain was recorded in Changping District of Beijing. That is the heaviest rainfall in 140 years, believe it or not. And Beijing and its surrounding cities have been battling this record of flooding as we speak.、Um, honestly, I don't remember seeing、uh, so much rain and、uh, raining for that long. And before this flooding, it was record heat waves.、Uh, this year, Beijing experienced one of the hottest summers since 1961, nine consecutive days of over 35 degrees Celsius, and a couple of days even over 40 degrees.、Um, what do you make of all these events? To what extent is all these due to climate change? Without climate change, we wouldn't see so many、uh, these kind of extreme events. A year ago, you were、uh, having very hot and dry summer in. In China, and and now we have been, you have also been breaking all-time high temperature record in western part of your country, and the recent、uh, flooding that you were exposed to is also, also we wouldn't observe such events、uh, so often without the impact of、uh, climate change. We shouldn't explain all of the weather variations with climate change, but、uh, I have been using analogy to sports. If you give a sports person. Uh, uh, some uh, some uh, hormones、uh, they can perform with even higher intensity, and we have been doing the same for atmosphere. We have been、uh, injecting more、uh, carbon dioxide to the atmosphere by burning fossil fuels, and、uh, that's why we have started seeing more often heat waves.、So、we have started seeing more often flooding events, and、uh, and also sometimes drought. And in China, for example, you have been exposed to both、uh, drought and.、Uh, And, and flooding、uh, during recent、uh, two years. But how severe is this crisis that is unfolding right in front of our eyes? And、uh, how long do this do you expect this to continue?、Uh, because there have been a number of actions China has been taking very aggressively over the years to reduce carbon emission,、uh, even setting targets for carbon peaking.、Um, but are you saying that、uh, in the immediate future we're still going to be cope with these extreme weather events? There's no return back to、uh, last century's、uh, climate anymore, and this negative trend in weather patterns,、uh, flooding events,、uh, storms,、uh, drought uh, events, and、uh, and heat waves will continue until 2060s, independent of our success in climate mitigation. And we could phase out this negative trend in weather patterns in 2060s if we reduce、uh, the consumption of、uh, fossil fuels、uh, radically. That means、uh, we, we should get rid of coal. Oil and natural gas, and and of course China's biggest emitter is one of the key players in 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 this、uh, this success. And and unfortunately, we have、uh, 
already lost uh, the, the uh, glacier melting game. We, we already have such high concentration of uh, carbon dioxide in the atmosphere that the melting of glaciers will continue for the coming thousand years uh, at least. And that means that, for example, most of the Himalayan glacier, which, which is giving water to many Chinese rivers, uh, will disappear by the end of this uh, century. And uh, and that thereafter, the, the, the big glaciers in Antarctica and Greenland will continue melting. And we will see sea level rise uh, of the order of half meter to one meter per century, or even even much higher if uh, if the melting of uh, Antarctic glacier happens in a speedier manner. But we could stop this negative trend in weather patterns in 2060s, and we should do our utmost uh, to reduce the, our consumption of uh, fossil fuels. And 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 China is one of the key players. And and in your case. Uh, a reduction of uh, consumption of coal as energy source is one of the critical things. Uh, Director General Talas, um, for uh, everyday people living in Beijing, the residents there, uh, what they are seeing is dozens of casualties resulting from the flooding this time around, uh, damaged infrastructure including bridges and buildings and hotels, um, you know, disrupted uh, you know, workflow and uh, life as we know it. What would be your advice to everyday people? What can they do um, to perhaps help reverse this trend or slow down this trend? And what can policymakers do uh, in the municipality? In our everyday life as citizens, uh, uh, we should uh, stop using uh, fossil-fueled uh, cars. Uh, we should uh, convert our uh, transport system to be based on electric vehicles uh, and also on, on biking, which used to be very common in China still some 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 decades ago and uh, we have uh, nowadays electric bikes bikes uh, electric scooters and so forth and, and also public transportation is a good mean mean for that and in our everyday diet uh, we should uh, eat less uh, uh, beef which is also uh, producing methane emissions and uh, and that's that's an issue and then overall consumption is uh, is also an I issue uh, the, the the more we buy goods which are produced by using fossil energy uh, the, the the worse it, it's it's for the for the atmosphere and, and luckily these means uh, uh, are now affordable and, uh, and and we have growing amount of electric vehicles on the market market which is uh, china is producing uh, also the solar and wind energy prices have been dropping under the prices of uh, of fossil energy and and uh, also there china has played very important role you have been helping us to re reduce the prices of uh, those technologies uh. um, also uh, a set of data that i would like to share with you and our audience uh, extreme weather patterns in china temperatures in uh, sanbao township in xinjiang's turpan area for example reached 52.2 degrees celsius the highest recorded temperature uh, in recent Chinese history, beating a previous record set in 2015 of uh, 50.3 degrees Celsius. And also on January the 22nd, temperatures in Mohe, a city in northeastern China's Heilongjiang province bordering Russia, plunged to minus 53 degrees Celsius, according to local official data, smashing China's previous all-time low record of 52.3 degrees Celsius set in 1969. Um, any surprises for you, Mr. Director General? Did you see this coming? When uh, WMO decided to establish IPCC to provide these scientific reports on status of climate, uh, we were already able to show with fairly simple climate models that this is going to happen. 
and and we have been following the track uh, that we were we were modeling all in the 80s uh, 40 years ago and uh, and 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 so we can so it's it's clear that we can we can simulate what's happening in atmosphere and uh, and this was foreseen uh, but that time it wasn't visible in the eyes of uh, ordinary people or, or governments and and that's why we have taken very slow action to 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 attack to to mitigate climate uh, climate change to reduce our consumption of fossil fuels and uh, now it's high time to to speed up our action uh, to, to avoid uh, worse things to happen yeah because we've also seen uh, record uh, temperatures the hottest june for example in europe and in america record uh, high temperatures for july in many american cities and this has really led to apocalyptic concerns and anxieties about, about global warming and climate change. Do you think we're still on track for the two degrees Celsius target set at the Paris Climate Accord? Not yet. So, uh, and um, and in two years ago in uh, Glasgow Climate Conference, uh, the richest countries, G7 countries and European Union countries made commitments to keep us on this uh, 1.5 degrees uh, track, which was, which was the best uh, future for mankind and uh, biosphere but unfortunately uh, countries like china india indonesia uh, brazil were not able to join that uh, that uh, target and um, and and of course uh, the whole world expects that china would uh, speed up the, your your climate action and that would be triggering also many other countries to join join that um, but we haven't lost uh, this uh, uh, 1.5, uh, which is uh, really ambitious at the moment, uh, uh, and uh, and we should do utmost to keep us uh, within 1.5 to 2, two degrees uh, targets, and, uh, and uh, and and there are high expectations uh, for the forthcoming COP28 meeting that uh, Arab Emirates will host in in late November, early December this year. That uh, there would be new commitments, and we would very much uh, expect to see such commitments from. From also from China. Can you perhaps flag some of the most uh, pressing climate challenges right now or the most alarming trends that demands immediate attention uh, other than record highs and record lows in temperatures? The, the high temperatures have led to casualties. For example, last summer we got 61,000 casualties in Europe because of heat wave and uh, something very similar is most likely to ha happen this year as well. And then we have started seeing these extreme flooding events, as you have been experiencing in Beijing recently. And uh, for example, last summer was extremely dry in Beijing, and you had uh, difficulties with your water supply. And many of the impacts of climate change, they are felt through water. It's uh, this drought, uh, flooding, and also melting of glaciers. And in your case, uh, the melting of Himalayan glaciers uh, is, 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 is going to be a long-term threat uh, for the fresh water availability in, in many of your rivers and that's the case also for 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 india and, and several other populated uh, uh, south asian asian countries and uh, and then the sea level rise uh, which uh, which is uh, which has been speeding up uh, due to melting of glaciers uh, that's going to be a long-term threat for your coastal areas and uh, and then we expect to see also more intense uh, tropical storms uh, typhoons hitting hitting your coastal areas yeah uh, director general i want to talk about your your, your background the economic background uh, from 1986 to 1999 you led the ozone research unit uh, of the current organization world the meteorological organization in 2023 
Uh, it is projected that uh, the ozone layer will recover within four decades. You said at a meeting previously, and I quote, that ozone action sets a precedent for climate action. Our success in phasing out ozone-eating chemicals show us what we can and must be done as a matter of urgency to transition away from fossil fuels, reduce greenhouse gases, and so limit temperature increases. Um, given the successful efforts in recovering the ozone layer, what significance do you think these achievements hold for global climate action? That's a demonstration that uh, if, if there's a will, uh, the, the countries can act uh, very quickly. And uh, for example, this ozone, uh, uh, this Montreal Protocol, which is protecting uh, ozone layer, that was agreed in a very speedy manner uh, and even based on very uncertain scientific uh, uh, know-how and, uh, and and thanks to that uh, we have started seeing a slow recovery of the ozone layer and the other problem that we have been uh, able to solve uh, by signing international agreements uh, is acidification especially in Europe uh, the acidification problem has been solved uh, thanks to international agreements and we expect to see something similar happening with uh, climate change we already have this uh, Paris Agreement, uh, but uh, but our dependence on fossil energy is so high that it hasn't been so easy to to to, to proceed. But uh, now uh, all these signs that we we have seen in, with our own eyes uh, should uh, motivate us to speed up our our action. Yeah, we know that this is your second term as Secretary General of the World Meteorological Organization. Uh, can you perhaps share with us what reforms or structural changes have been implemented within your organization so far? to adapt to the ever-changing uh, landscape of climate challenges. And how do these changes position the WMO to better address current and future climate-related issues on a global scale? Yes, so we have paid attention to uh, climate science, uh, we have paid attention to water resource management, and, and uh, we have also paid attention to the observing systems and uh, early warning service uh, services uh, and we have started communicating the facts of climate science and that has been hopefully motivating the governments and, and private sector actors to proceed with the climate mitigation efforts uh, then this availability of water is, is a big issue and, uh, and and we have paid attention to the water water resource issues uh, we have included private sector more in our work uh, because private sector is also one of the big uh, players in our, our field, uh, and um, and and then we have uh, uh, we we have a program called early warning services for all. Only half of our 193 members have proper early warning services in place, which means that when a high impact weather event hits a country, there are more uh, human loss casualties and. Uh, economic uh, casualties uh, losses uh, uh, as compared to countries where we, where we can uh, foresee uh, high impact weather events a uh, couple of weeks ahead and and this El Niño La Niña variability half year ahead and uh, and and in tropical areas uh, we can forecast the seasons fairly well and this kind of uh, means are very useful to to mitigate the negative impacts of climate change and in countries like China you are lucky to have uh, very very high level early warning services in place. You can avoid uh, many of the uh, damages, but you, of course you cannot 100% avoid them. But you can you can minimize the damages. But in less developed countries and in island states, especially, they are not in such a position. And, and we have now a major program to improve the situation in 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 those countries. And of course, this communication of climate science 
is, is also very important and we are also the host agency of uh, IPCC which is providing uh, major scientific reports on on status of climate uh, climate change and uh, and also means for mitigating climate change what about the susceptible or more susceptible countries to climate change uh, we've seen a passionate pleas from uh, pacific island countries for example and their young representatives at global conferences crying almost uh, pleading for climate action uh, what about the global south on the other hand who might not be the richest but who are some of whom are the most susceptible to extreme weather patterns going forward. The most expensive uh, weather, weather events have been hitting United States and China, uh, but uh, but since your economies are fairly big, uh, the, the the biggest relative impacts are felt in in less developed countries and island. Uh, for example, in Caribbean islands, uh, there may have been uh, uh, GDP losses up to eight hundred percent in in a single hurricane event and, and same has been true for so many Pacific islands like Tonga or Vanuatu during recent uh, years. So, so several persons, several hundreds of persons of their GDP has been lost in during those uh, those events. Uh, and those are the most vulnerable uh, countries uh, when it comes to impacts of climate change. And uh, and of course the key issue is to is to reduce our consumption of fossil fuels. But besides that we have to pay attention to climate uh, adaptation and and uh, take take these uh, risks into account in our uh, infrastructures but also these early warning services uh, proper early warning services are a very powerful way to adapt to climate change yeah mr talas china has emerged as a prominent uh, leader and player in building solar and wind capacity for example how do you envision china's role in furthering the global transition towards renewable energy and what impact do you believe China's efforts in this field will have on fostering international cooperation and achieving or helping achieve sustainable development goals? China has played a major role in reducing the prices of solar and wind energy. Still, uh, 20 years ago, uh, these uh, sources of energy were not attractive for the investors. Uh, but uh, thanks to the efforts, especially in China, the prices of solar and wind energy have been dropping under the prices of fossil fossil energy and that's why many countries and many private sector companies are building more and more such uh, such energy and you have also done great job in uh, in the prices of uh, batteries and uh, and electric vehicles uh, and and that those are also needed to to to, to get rid of fossil fuels in in, in transport uh, systems and um, and of course we expect that china would also so good example by by reducing your own consumption of fossil fuels especially reduce the consumption of coal as source of uh, energy but uh, when i visited china last spring i was positively surprised to see that uh, that large fraction of uh, vehicles for example in shanghai region they are now electric vehicles and that's very promising but the same should happen also in the energy systems and then talking about China's Belt and Road Initiative, China announced that they will uh, no longer build uh, coal-fired power projects overseas. How do you foresee a Green Belt and Road Initiative, as has been pledged, contributing to the balance between economic growth on one hand, facilitation of trade, and also environmental protection? It would be great that, that China would invest more and more in climate-friendly energy sources uh, as part of the Belt and Road uh, initiative uh, more investments in solar wind uh, and hydropower 
production and hopefully also in the future nuclear energy investments uh, instead of uh, investments in fossil fossil sources of uh, energy that's that's my recommendation and uh, and i'm happy that in china you have a company called gateco which is promoting investments in in climate friendly sources of energy we know that you also you're the former director general of the finnish meteorological institute to have witnessed significant developments in your country's climate action uh, notably uh, finland set a commendable goal to achieve net zero emissions by 2035 uh, with further aspirations to become carbon negative, um, based on principles of equality, of course. Maybe you can talk to us about the Finnish experience, the, the lessons as well as experiences, and what they can offer to the rest of the world. Yes, I used to be a director you know, of the Finnish Meteorological Institute, but I, I was also a board member of uh, of a, a big energy company called Fortum, which has converted its fleet from, uh, from coal-fired uh, energy towards nuclear and uh, hydropower, uh, pr production and uh, and also they are very much promoting energy saving uh, so solutions and how to how to how to enhance the energy efficiency and actually the the, the European countries uh, United States uh, Singapore and Japan have uh, have all been dropping their emissions uh, whereas at the same time their econ economies have been growing and those countries have shown that there's not an automatic connection between GDP growth and uh, and emission growth uh, actually it has been the opposite and the fin finnish government has as as a goal to become a uh, superpower of uh, especially wind energy and uh, and, and build uh, uh, produce more hydrogen and uh, and build uh, new systems uh, around uh, such uh, technologies and uh, and and be also economically uh, beneficial which would be economically beneficial so this green transition is not uh, not only an expenditure, but it's also a business opportunity. With the you know fluctuation in global prices, inflation pressures, inflationary pressures, and also unemployment, and in some cases underemployment worldwide, are you having a harder time convincing policymakers and stakeholders to take climate actions at this point? It has been shown that uh, that uh, we, we would endanger the global economy if we, if we fail with climate action. The World Economic Forum that meets every January in Switzerland, uh, they are they are annually estimating which are the biggest risks for the global economy. And it has been demonstrated that for the te coming ten years, the biggest uh, risk for global economy is failure of uh, climate mitigation. So, if we fail with uh, climate mitigation, the the costs would be very high, and 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 that would be very harmful for the global economy. So, it's viable to invest in climate friendly technologies and. Uh, you will get the price back uh, already in the coming coming decades. Uh, so that's a good investment uh, also from that perspective. And uh, I'm grateful for the government of China where this perspective is often not only next year's GDP growth, but uh, a little bit longer. And uh, and this kind of uh, mindset up is needed uh, also in the, in the field of climate uh, mitigation. Director General Talas, with the 2023 United Nations Climate Change Conference, COP28, scheduled to take place in Dubai, the UAE, this December, what are your expectations and also your messages to the participants and stakeholders? Of course, the key issue is that uh, we, we have started seeing the impacts of climate change worldwide, and there's no more question whether there's, uh, there's climate change and whether climate change is, is going to affect uh, us human beings and uh, global economies and uh, and also the welfare of our 
our planet. And now it's time to 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 act and raise the ambition level of uh, climate mitigation. And that's what what is our expectation concerning COP28 that uh, there would be new uh, new commitments made, and we also expect to see new commitments from China. If you could speed up uh, uh, the the climate action so that you could join this. Uh, 2050 carbon neutrality uh, club uh, that many countries have already done and uh, whether you could speed up uh, the peak emission year you could you could have the peak up of peaking of your emissions uh, happening uh, earlier than 2030 uh, even during the coming coming five years or so those would be good news and uh, those would be also game changers uh, to to, uh, motivate uh, many other countries like india Indonesia, Vietnam, Brazil type of countries to join join the club. So that's that's our expectation, and I'm sure that there will be also promotion of uh, of uh, of uh, renewable en- energy sources because Arab Emirates is uh, host of Irina, which is promoting uh, use of uh, renewable energy. So I'm slightly optimistic that we would see good news, and uh, of course, what the government of China says is uh, is is also fairly critical. Finally, do you want to say anything directly to the residents of Beijing, many of whom are battling this record rainfall and the flooding and also the relatives of the casualties? Of course, it's important to convince the policymakers to speed up uh, climate action. And, uh, and and that would be also a good message uh, from, from the citizens towards your your government. And, uh, and your government luckily has the means to be successful in climate uh, mitigation. And, uh, and, and uh, that would be best for the for this generation, but especially for the welfare of the coming coming generations in China, especially, but uh, but also worldwide. Director General, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. You're welcome. This is my pleasure. And that will do it for this edition of the Hub on CGTN. I'm Wang Guan in Shanghai. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you again next time. With a history of 5,000 years, it's no surprise that China has created a fabulous treasury of folk tales. Once a year, on the seventh day of the seventh month, all the magpies fly up to heaven and form a bridge. So many amazing worlds to discover. I want a new palace, said King Mu of Zhou one day. Chinese folk tales retold for audiences today. Will, will you marry me? He asked. And with little hesitation, she said, (laughs) Yes! 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folk tales. My father must not go to war. Someone must take his place. You'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3 wherever you discover your favorite podcasts.